Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Views from the 573 Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's on one of the many outlets we have this podcast on, like SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Check us out there. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to go check out all the content we have coming out on both views and the entertainment channels. We got a special entertainment from the 573 coming up uh, next week. We're going to be covering a little bit of the entertainment news that's come out in the last few days on this podcast as well. So it's going to be a mixture of both, but we're going to start off with sports nonetheless. And let's talk about the thing that has recently come down as of today. There were rumblings of it in the last couple days. It's finally here. The Big Ten has announced that they are going to be coming back starting the October 23rd, 24th, around that time, starting that weekend with eight eight games with the title game on December 19th. So we're getting the Big Ten back coming late in October. I know the big pack, the Pac-12, yeah, the the Pac-12, Pac-10, where it is now. They they they're talking about coming back. We're still waiting to see what happens with them. They got a lot going on still with COVID. Uh, got a lot of situations going there with the air quality and all that stuff. That's a big factor, and so that may be. Uh, we may be waiting a little while to hear anything on that front. But as far as the Big Ten coming back, that's coming back. I wonder if some of these players that have opted out, like a Micah Parsons, like a Sean Wade, are going to decide to opt back in. I know Coach. Coach O down in LSU was talking about how a lot of his players have tested positive and for the virus already and that there's a couple of players that are thinking about opting back in. I wonder if they'll do that, but I don't know. I Considering those guys, especially Parsons, is a guy that could go top 10 on the draft next spring, I I, I would kind of lean, you know, just opt, not come back. But some more on, their com- on the Big Ten coming back. There's going to be no bye week. It's going to be eight straight games starting that October 23rd weekend. And the title game is going to be December 19th. However, with a little caveat here, the teams that finish second through seventh in the East and West divisions, they'll play a ninth game on December 19th as well. So the way it's put, the second place team in the East division will play the second place team in the West division, so on and so forth. So that's going to be a fun matchup. I might do a little something there when it gets to that time, if we get to that time where uh, we have a battle for the worst of the Big Ten, where you're going to have the two last place teams play each other. Who's truly the worst of the Big Ten conference? So that's going to be fun. But obviously, the big thing about is about the Big Ten coming back is what are they going to do with testing? What new information did they get? They were a lot of uh, under a lot of pressure to come back. And they're going to have daily antigen testing. They got rapid testing for all the personnel, players, staff, coaches, all that, all those that are involved with the with game day and all that stuff. There's not going to be any fans. They maybe in might have family members from some of the players come and attend. I know that's I've seen some teams in other conferences have done that here in the early going of the season, but it looks like there's not going to be any fans for the meanwhile. But So, yeah, the Big Ten is coming back. Again, they were facing a lot of criticism from 
plus from some players, from some of the coaches. Ryan Day's made a couple comments from some of the family members of some players that are in the Big Ten. So now they're coming back. I I did see one take that said this is you know that this was a uh, dark day for Big Ten football. As they basically gave into what the SEC did. There there were tons of worse dark days in Big Ten history. I'm not going to go into them because they don't need to be brought up again. But you guys know uh, if you if you've seen that stuff going on Twitter, you've seen the article talking about that. You know, there's been a whole lot worse stuff that have been darker days for the Big Ten than them coming back. So it's good that they got the right information to where they feel comfortable going ahead and playing with the schedule where they can get rapid testing in place for the players and coaches. Now they now a couple other things is that they do have a 21-day suspension for players that test positive, and they have a shutdown uh, threshold right Right, uh, threshold thing of five percent positivity rate for the players. So, if it goes over, if it goes five percent or over for that, that probably means everything's going to get shut down for the Big Ten again. But nonetheless, the Big Ten, they are coming back late October. So we'll just have to see what happens with the Pac-12. All right, let's go into some what went on with college football this past week. We had a few games going on. We didn't pick. Uh, I I didn't pick a whole lot of the games uh, from last week's show, as you guys can recall. But there were a few that went on. UAB and Miami. Miami come out and came out on top. You had Clemson with their number one ranking playing at Wake Forest, dominating them. Trevor Lawrence uh, looking really good uh, as the number one pick to whoever it's going to be number one this year. Jacksonville might have just screwed themselves there, but. Who knows? Notre Dame taking down Duke. North Carolina continued their hype train of the offseason with them and recruiting, and Sam Howell coming back for a sophomore year after a great freshman year. They get the win over Syracuse to start the season. Got this one wrong. Florida State loses to Georgia Tech. That was a little bit of a shocker. Georgia Tech starting a freshman quarterback, a little bit of a new system compared to what the triple option to what we're used to from years past from them, but they go to Florida State and they get the win there to start off their season. SMU and TCU, that one was postponed due to positive COVID tests. Arkansas State and Kansas State got that one wrong. Arkansas State was missing some players. They go on the road in Manhattan, Kansas, and get the win over a bit over this Big 12 opponent. And then Western Kentucky at Louisville. Louisville gets the win there, and that pushed them to the rankings for this upcoming week in college football. So let's talk about what's going on this week in college football. Next week, the SEC is going to start back with their games. So we're going to be talking a little bit about them. They got some interesting games coming up in their first uh, week of competition. But this week... We have 14 UCF at Georgia Tech, South Florida at 7 Notre Dame, Syracuse at 22, uh, 22nd ranked Pittsburgh, Boston College at Duke, Austin P, the OV, uh, one of the OVC teams that are playing at number 13 Cincinnati. You have our, our first ranked matchup of the season with 17 Miami at 18 Louisville and 23rd ranked Appalachian State at Marshall. I'll go with UCF to get a win against Georgia Tech, although I don't think it won't be easy. Notre Dame gets a win over South Florida. Pitt gets a win over Syracuse. 
I think Duke gets a win over Boston College. Cincinnati beats Austin P. I will take Louisville and as as the home team in that Miami matchup to get the win over them. And I'll take Appalachian State on the road at Marshall. Uh, before we leave college football, there's been sad news. Well, sad news to me, at least. With the Big Ten coming back, Peter Lewis has announced no more Tennessee fandom from him. He's getting Penn State football back. But I do. But he has said he is, he's enjoyed the ride. I told him he's got a spot for him in case he wants to come back. If something goes awry with Penn State, that there's a spot for him on the Tennessee bandwagon whenever he wants to come back. So the Big Ten coming back has its ups and downs. Certainly a, a downside to it, but nonetheless, uh, the Big Ten's coming back. We're going to be picking their games when they start next month. So. Be, so I guess be on the lookout for that. Excited for uh, some of those matchups and see how they schedule who's going to play who. It would be crazy if we get an Ohio State-Michigan Week 1 Big Ten game. That would be absolutely nuts. But nonetheless, so that's Week 3 in college football. And that's a little bit of the college football news. Now let's go to what Matt Mormon likes to call big boy football. And let's talk about Week 1 in the NFL. And let's talk about the whole thing going on with no fans, with you know, piping in crowd noise. I did. I actually thought it felt pretty fine for the most part. I didn't really notice anything. Of course, with the, a Saints game, you probably notice that a little bit more because that stadium is so loud that you would you expect the crowd to be at absolute peak levels of how loud they can get. Especially if you got Tampa Bay coming in as their first opponent in Week One, but I found like it it, it went fine. Like the whole no fans thing, it I thought it was fine. It went pretty good, and I know some teams they're gonna have some fans coming in later on. I know Jacksonville had some fans there, twenty five percent capacity Week One, and that some teams will slowly start to have a, a few fans in the stadium, but nonetheless. It, I didn't really notice, and I thought, you know, week one went about as well as you wanted to go, and especially on the testing side of things. Everybody that was going to work on game day, they all tested negative for the virus, so all good there in week number one. That's good news, and that's what you want to hear. If you're the NFL, if you're a fan of the NFL, that everybody is good to go for week one, despite if they're injured or not, that's that's a good sign. That's good news for week one. but. As far as week one, let's go into like you know, like the games we picked here, and we'll talk about the games as a whole here in a bit. The Jets and the Bills, of course, the, the Jets, we we were kind of expecting them to kind of be a train wreck. I mean, who knew what they were going to be? Le'Veon is now out for a few weeks. The Jets go down 27-17. to 17. Josh Allen had a decent game. He had a bad miss throw, but other than that, he looked pretty solid as Buffalo tries to take the AFC West. And I don't know about the Jets. I think Gase might be the first coach that might be fired. You know, it'll get to be that time around the midseason. He'll be the first coach gone, probably. It could have been Doug Marone at Jacksonville, but Jacksonville won a game here. So, it might be Adam Gase. They don't get off to a good start. So, the Bills get the win there. Packers at Vikings. The Packers end up winning that one. I I told my dad I thought I'd pick the Vikings. Glad I glad I was wrong. I did pick the Packers. They won forty three thirty four on 
Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers' huge game that he had. I think I talked about this last week. It ticked off Aaron Rodgers is what we might see this season, and that that really showed in this first game of the season. Uh, and of course, with Matt, uh, I mentioned Matt picks here. He picked the Bills as well. We picked the Packers. We got that right. Basically, we missed only two games, and that was the Cardinals 49ers game and the Cowboys at Rams game, which we both picked the 49ers and the Cowboys. So we went 8-2 this week. We're starting off strong there. The Browns at Ravens. Browns didn't even look like a football team playing the Ravens. Now, I know they're playing the Ravens. I know Lamar, he looked good coming back this season, hoping that he improved on some things. And he certainly looked like that 20-25, 275 passing through the air. Three touchdowns. Marquise Brown had a nice game as well. Five receptions for 101 yards. So the Ravens looking like they're picking off where they left off in the regular season. You guys notice I didn't mention postseason. So hopefully this is a good sign that comes if you're a Ravens fan, if you're Matt Mormon, that this is a good sign of things to come for the Ravens offense. If Lamar can be a really good passer going forward, that's the next level of his development that's looked like it's going to show this upcoming season. All right, the next game, Chargers at the Bengals. And, of course, this one was a fun one to watch because he had the highly anticipated debut of the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. First touchdown in the league, a QB draw. Not what you quite expected, probably. But, nonetheless, his first touchdown was a QB draw, and and the Bengals were in this game. Burrow had a bad mistake or two, and he almost got them down. He got them down to a position to where they could have won or tied the game. There's an offensive pass interference call on A.J. Green that was debatable or not, depending on your viewpoint. Bengals, they try to go for the field goal. Randy Bullock misses it, and I don't know if he actually got hurt or if he was just faking it. I probably would have faked it and faked the injury, but the Bengals came up short 16-13. to The Chargers get the win there on the road. And the Buccaneers of Saint, Saints, we talked about this earlier, little bit of a, a not-so-good debut from uh, old Tampa Bay, from Tom Brady and that company. He two touchdowns, but he had two uh, turnovers. Not really good. And the Saints, uh, I mean, the big news coming out of this game is, you know, you know Bucks going 0-1, but also Michael Thomas. He looks like he's going to miss a few weeks with a high ankle sprain, so that's not good. Uh, Alvin Kamara had a nice day coming off his freshly uh, uh coming off his fresh new contract that he got a couple days prior, but obviously the big thing is you know Tampa, uh, chemistry and all that stuff. And I know uh, Arians kind of you know I think this is a thing you want, and you know people be like oh well like don't take off Tom, but like I think Tom would w- want to be held accountable. He had a couple missed throws. That, that were not good, that were not like him. And I think Arians is right in that. He's like, he's holding everybody accountable. You got to hold him accountable. He may be the GOAT, but you still got to hold him accountable at the end of the day. So Tampa Bay goes 0-1. The Saints goes, the Saints go 1-0 on uh, as they start their journey to what I hope and what I think, yeah, let me check. What Matt hopes is a Super Bowl victory over whoever they play from the AFC. So hopefully it's a good start there. Uh, next game, 49ers and Cardinals. I know Matt 
had a little bit of concerns about the 49ers. You know, there's been a Super Bowl let down uh, as a team that lost in the Super Bowl the year prior. Obviously, you had the whole air quality issue about whether they would still play the game. They go and play the game. Kyler Murray looked electric. And DeAndre Hopkins, you think Houston needs him, everybody? It certainly looked like they did. Uh, 14 catches, 150 yards receiving. Who, boy, talk, talk about having a big game in your first game with your new team. And the Cardinals, they pulled away 24 Two twenty scoring fourteen in the fourth quarter to move on to one and zero and the defending NFC champs starting out zero and one. So it's uh, all for all these teams that are going and that have gone zero and one this week. Week two is even more important because if you go down zero and two, that's not that's not a good sign for how the rest of the season is going to go. It's a known stat that teams that go zero and two in the first two weeks of the season they don't normally take the playoffs. So if you're a team that's gone uh, that is 0-1, you really need to emphasize getting the win here in Week 2. And so the 49ers, that should be the case as well. They, they've they lost some weapons at wide receiver. They just signed Muhammad Sanu uh, to a one-year deal. So they're bringing him in. We'll see how that affects things, see if they get Debo back soon. But the 49ers, they go down there. Cowboys and Rams on Sunday night, introducing the new Rams and Charter Stadium. Boy, that thing looked impressive to you, to me and to a lot of other people. And you're going to get to see a new, another new stadium as well when on Monday night next week with the Raiders as they're playing the Saints on Monday night. So you're going to get to see another new stadium on primetime television. And I got to tell you what, the stadium was impressive. Cowboys, offensive pass interference. I hated it because I started Gallup and CD was on my bench. So I obviously hated it. But from uh, and I, so I was with Cowboy fans on that one, so it, that was debatable. Ramsey said a little bit, yes, but like was there hand grabbing and stuff? Yeah, there was that as well. So main reason I'm upset about it is because it hurt my fancy team. I, like I felt like if that catch hadn't happened, I would have felt really good about my fancy chances going into Monday night because I had Johnu and Johnu had uh, 19 points in the Titans Bucks um, Broncos game, so. It hurt, but those things happen. The Cowboys also lost Lane Vander Ash to broken collarbone, so he's out six, eight weeks, and that's a big hit for them. Uh, Blake Jarwin, he, torn ACL, looks like he's done for the season, so already a couple big injuries for the Cowboys there. And is, Say what you want about the Cowboys. Let's just wait and see. I know they didn't throw downfield a whole lot. Let's just wait and see what happens in week number two with them see if they can figure some stuff out there with those wide receivers and uh they're going to figure out the tight end situation they got dalton schultz in there so they'll have to work him in get him first team reps but either way rams take the took the victory yeah Robert woods cooper cup yeah malcolm brown cam makers the rookie coming in there malcolm brown looked pretty good so that trifecta in uh in the backfield for the rams is going to be interesting to watch as that goes forward and who has the Hot hand, whether it's going to be the veteran Brown or it's going to be the rookie in Acres or the second year player in Henderson. So that'll be interesting to watch from a Rams perspective. So they go one and zero as well. The three teams from the NFC West both went one and zero. The Steelers at Giants on Monday night. The Steelers, the return of Big Ben. I know a lot of Steelers fans were excited to see what Big what Big Ben was going to look like 
in his first game back after over a year. And he didn't, I thought the uh, offense looked kind of iffy at times, especially with the running game of James Conner. Of course, James Conner, he was hurt. And, and then the Benny Snell comes in and he has 19 carries for 113 yards. So as far as the running game goes, Conner, it didn't help with him. But with Benny Snell, it looked pretty good. But the Steelers get the victory there, 26 to 16. I got to tell you what, the Giants didn't look all that hapless. Like, yeah. Uh, the running game, yes, that was definitely an issue. The Steelers' defense looked awesome. Shutting down Saquon to six rushing yards on 15 carries. But, yeah, I got to tell you what, it, Daniel Jones, he did have a couple bad moments, but, yeah, this one had a couple good moments. Darius Slayton had a good game. Saquon got most of, yard, most of his yards through the air. But Big Ben, 21-32, to 32, he had three touchdowns. Good game from him. James Washington got a touchdown. Chase Claypool got some action. Deontay Johnson, Juju, they all got some action. Eric Ebron, so I know they were probably glad to see Big Ben back as well. But overall, solid game from Big Ben and his return back on Monday night. And of course, the one I was worried about, not good for stress, I might add. And this game ended around 1230 that night, so not not good to run on that amount of stress at that at that type of hour. But the Titans... Come up six, come up with a win, sixteen to fourteen. Uh, of course, a big thing coming about uh, coming about this game is the kicking game or lack thereof. With Stephen uh, Stephen Goskowski missing three field goal attempts and missing an extra point, he does come back clutching, hit, knocks in the game winner. So I'll give him credit there. But uh, one of the missed field goals was a block. You can attribute to some of these errors with not uh, with a lack of reps. He just got in like a few days earlier, so there's that. Maybe there's issues with the long snapper with punter, but again, that comes with the rep- repetition, all that stuff in practice. Also, maybe a thing with the altitude on that mile high altitude that is tough to deal with. I believe I saw an insane stat where teams that play. At Denver, it, within the first two weeks, do very poorly there. And that Denver looks pretty good most of the time in those first two weeks there. So, it wasn't easy getting the win for, if you're the Titans. Drew Locke, he missed a couple throws. Jerry Judy had a nice couple plays, but he also had a, bad, a couple bad drops. Corey Davis, I was excited to see him come to play. Of course, everybody was excited to see how Clowney would do. He did all right. I think the fatigue and the air got to a lot of the players. Jeffrey Simmons had a nice game. They had a big four-down four goal line stand there early on. That was huge. And Derrick Henry, yeah, it was 116 yards on the ground, but you really couldn't tell. the Really didn't have a whole lot of room to run, so credit there to the Broncos' defense uh, without Von Miller there. So that, was, so that was huge. But Tannehill, 29 of 43, 249, two touchdowns. He, he looked pretty good. I think that he had the sixth highest QBR going into this week, which we'll, we'll talk about, you know, some of the other games going on, but that's pretty impressive. So the Titans go 1-0 there. As far as the week one surprises to look at, uh, you know, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers being ticked off. 32-44, and four touchdowns, including 14 of those completions going to Devontae Adams for 156. 
and two scores. I told you guys, I ticked off Aaron Rodgers. That's scary. That that that's scary. <laughs> so be on the lookout. He might be. He's motivated now. Uh, the Bears and the Lions. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I feel bad for DeAndre Swift as far as him being a part of the Lions, but as far as the Georgia part, I don't care. I, 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 I mean, he went to the University of Georgia, so I'm fine with that. But as far as him being in his first NFL game, that drop is rough, man. I felt for him. Like, yeah, welcome to Detroit. This is how things go here. <laughs> but the Bears, they score 21 points, 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, 27-23, with Mitch Trubisky throwing three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Clutch Mitch Trubisky here. Look at this guy. But uh, the Bears, they go 1-0 in the Lions. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> Oh, poor Lions fans. Uh, they had it tough last season. They go three and four or three, four and one. They had the bad game in Green Bay. You know, then Stafford gets hurt, and then it goes all downhill from there. And well, if you're if you're a Lions fan, at least starting early this year, when you, when your hope is kind of lost already. But anyway, that's one. That was one of the surprises. The others, one of the other surprises was the Washington Football Team. Yeah, the team with no nickname yet. Taking down the Eagles in week one, 27-217, Carson Wentz. It really did not help having a lot of his key members on his offensive line. Lane Johnson was a scratch before this game, so he didn't get the play. So you're down three of your starting linemen. So that didn't help. But the Washington defense get eight sacks. Chase Young, the second overall pick, had himself a game, one and a half sacks. I saw two forced fumbles. I heard one. So, either way, he created a turnover, two. Good debut for him. But that Washington defense had eight sacks with Ryan Kerrigan leading the way there. And uh, the story was, you know, Ron Rivera getting an IV during halftime, a planned IV. And Dwayne Haskins looking pretty good in the leadership role. Spoke to team at halftime. They come out, scored 20 points in the second half to get a 27-17 victory there for Washington. Good for them. Good for Washington. Uh, for Philly, this is definitely concerning. But, you know, losing two guys on the offensive line that you were expected to contribute, Brandon Brooks, Andre Dillard, not having Lane Johnson there hurt this week. So maybe they get him back. Jalen Rager didn't make a good plays, but it was all for naught. The Washington football team, yeah. I still want to say their nickname, but it's something we're all going to have to get used to. So if I slip off or if one of the guys comes on, they slip off. There's no taking time to get used to that. But Washington football team, good start. Uh, One thing that me and Charles talked about was Cam and the Patriots and how he would fit in. Not a bad debut, if you ask me. 15 carries, 17, uh, 75 yards, two touchdowns. Linked to a Patriots 21-11 to victory. It's very interesting to see like, all these different formations the Patriots use. You, you knew you were expecting it, but it was just weird seeing them use them uh, with like going five wide and basically running QB power to like the left or the right or whatever. It, it, was, it was just weird. It was really weird to see that offense. But nonetheless, I mean, Cam had a good debut, and that's uh, if you're the Patriots, that, that's good stuff. And, you know, good for Cam. Looking really good in his first game uh, with the Patriots. 
Now, one of the other surprises. Let's talk about this, everybody. The Jacksonville Jaguars. They suck at tanking, everybody. Minshew mania. Garner Minshew going 19 of 20 with one of the best completion percentages in NFL history. Taking the victory over the Colts 27 to 20. Phillip Rivers kind of looks like Phillip Rivers again, even though he threw for over 350 yards. But nonetheless, if you're Jacksonville, you got to be happy like, hey, we got to win. But at the same time, you got to be, oh, crap, that we just screw ourselves and not getting Trevor Lawrence. This gonna Is this win going to have ramifications down the road? And so <laughs> I, I heard Mitch Allen mention on, uh, I think, one of Bill Simmons' podcasts, like, could they fire Doug Marone for – if they go like three and I was like, hey, listen, this wasn't the plan. We're firing you. We need to lose to get Trevor Lawrence. That would definitely be a funny storyline. I don't see that happening. I still see the Jags. They're not going to be good. But either way, gave the win here. Definitely didn't help them in mind with their tank job. So they screwed up their own tank job there and trying to get Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, good for Gardner having a good game in 19 to 20. It's hard to beat that. So good on them. So that was a surprise. Uh, I will mention, uh, speaking of good games, Russell Wilson just having an awesome game. Having more touchdown passes and incomplete passes with four touchdowns. I mean, he's just, he was cooking against the Falcons. That Falcons defense, it's a poor defense, but he was just cooking against them. DK Metcalf, Lockett, Carson, all those guys. And talking about a good first game at the office for Russell Wilson. So, let's move on to week number two. And, of course, let's start with the Thursday night game. The Bengals at Browns, everybody. We got a barn burner of a game here on Thursday night with the Bengals and the Browns. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals here. I think Joe Burrow gets his first win on Thursday night football. Listen, with Cleveland, it's hard to get excited about anything. It's same old, same old there. And so, I'm going with Joe Burrow and the upstart Bengals. I I think you know if Burrow, I kind of I really wish Burrow got that game winner, that game tying uh, drive there at the end, but maybe he can get his first win here. It'll, maybe it'll come a few days later, so maybe so. Vikings at Colts. No, I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna change my pick here. I'm gonna go with the Colts here. I had the Vikings. I'm gonna go with the Colts here to get the win going back home. Now, of course, they are without Marlon Mack, who tours Achilles. I hate that for him, but that means more touches. If you got Naheem Hines in fantasy, look at you. He's a dual threat out of the backfield. So be on the lookout for Rivers and uh, Rivers and that indie offense to use him a whole lot, as well as the rookie Jonathan Taylor. So give me the Colts here. Get a bounce back week number two. Uh, but that really hurts my uh, Vikings pick, so it, it's a double-edged sword right there. It, don't want the Colts to win in the AFC South. Pick the Vikings to win the NFC North. So, double-edged sword right there. Speaking of the South, the Jaguars and the Titans. I'm going to pick the Titans, but I don't think it's going to be that too big of a victory. I would say I'd have to take a look at the line. But I, I don't think it's going to be too big of a victory. I think the Titans are going to do what they need to do, get this win, and move on to week number three. This is huge for the Titans. If, you know, say Indy does win, I mean, they would still, they would be one-on-one, but they would still start off with a division loss. 
against a team that a lot of people think should should get the number one overall pick and probably will, and the Jags. But the Titans, they start off 2-0. That's really huge for them. Get a win at Denver. It wasn't pretty, but need what they had. They did what they had to do, and get a win here over a divisional opponent. That's a good start off for the season compared to how they start off last year. It's in favor of Tennessee by nine points, but you know I you know, I think it might be a touchdown game, but who knows? It could be a game where Derrick Henry goes off, and yeah, I mean he's known to do that against the Jaguars. You know he might have to adopt a new son in C.J. Henderson if we're talking about Jacksonville corners being toasted by Derrick Henry. Jalen Ramsey isn't there. He'll he'll maybe get a nice introduction to C.J. Henderson, maybe to one of his new children. All right, and that's that's just me having fun, but. I'll go with the Titans there slightly. Redskins at Cardinals, one of the rare one one of those teams playing against each other. The Redskins at Cardinals. I will go ahead and take the Cardinals on uh, with the win here to move on to two zero. But I would say if I'm the Cardinals offensive line, I am worried about that Washington defensive line. They wrecked havoc against the Eagles offensive line, even though they're missing three guys. But still, they are uber talented. They have a lot of draft capital spent on that defensive line. But I'll take the Cardinals here to get the home victory. Broncos at Steelers. I really like the Steelers defense. Had an awesome game against the Giants. Give me the Steelers here in week number two to go move on to 2-0. And the Broncos move on to 0-2. Now, this upcoming game is a big one for both these teams. The Panthers. And the Buccaneers, the Panthers didn't look all too bad last week. I, you know, I kind of, I mentioned to Matt, you know, they got Joe Brady, the LSU connection there. They might, uh, they got three wide receivers that are really good, and DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel that he can utilize. Robbie Anderson, of course, had that big score. If you're a fancy owner, that really helped you. But for the Bucks, they really need this game. So I think Tom, he's going to stress the importance of this. Uh, I just saw Chris Godwin's in concussion protocol, so that's not good. But give me the Bucks here to get the win as for Tom's first victory in a Tampa Bay uniform. It was so weird. It was so weird to see him in Tampa Bay uniform. All right, Chiefs and Chargers an AFC West matchup going on here. Give me the Chiefs here getting the victory. If and you know Chargers moving on to one and one. Chiefs they move on to two and zero. Oh. I really hope Clyde Edwards, Elayer, and Tyreek Hill have a good game. Not just because, well, yeah, just because they're on my fantasy team. If they weren't, I, I could care less. I just hope they ball out for my fantasy team and I get the victory here. My mile this year, guys, my fantasy team, strong, I, I had a little bit of hope in week one, but it was quickly dashed. And so my motto here for this season is I'm going to be focused on if my team in the Titans wins real football games compared to me winning fantasy football games. So if that happens and my team wins real games, good, you know, but uh, I'll go the Chiefs here. The Ravens at Texans. And you saw the game last year between the Ravens and Texans, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm taking the Ravens. (laughs) I mean, uh, the Texans got Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Will Fuller. They could have really needed DeAndre Hopkins on Thursday night. Uh, last week, so <laughs> I and even with the Andre Hopkins, they still couldn't get. They still got blown out. So I, I will take the Ravens here as I move march along to another good season. The Sunday night game: the Patriots and the Seahawks. 
I will take the Seahawks here. And let me take a look at the lines here because the lines actually intrigued me for what this game looks like. Seattle is only a three and a half point favor. I could see where New England has a lot of ball control where they run the ball a lot with their with their, whatever running back options they have in the backfield or, or with Cam. But I'm going to take the Seahawks here to start off 2-0 and and continue to try to be one of the best teams going forward in the a NFC this season. And then the Monday night game, the introduction of the Las Vegas Raiders new stadium. That's another weird thing that's hard to get used to. Saints at Raiders, both 1-0. Again, Michael Thomas is out. And so I'm going with a little bit of an upset pick here. I'm going with the old Chucky there in Las Vegas. Give me the Raiders here to win on Monday Night Football in their new stadium. Let's get risky here. So that's going to be week number two for the NFL. And so that's where we're going to leave it off with football for everybody this week. And now let's go on. Let's talk some basketball because there's a whole lot to talk about on the basketball front. All right. So. Here's all, here's all what we got going on here. We, uh, of course, we got to talk about the games. I'm going to mention a couple other stuff that's happened prior. Guys having a three hour meeting with Bucks management, them talking about what, what's going to happen going forward, what are the Bucks going to do, trying to improve the team, or if they're going to go into the luxury cap to try to help improve the team. Those discussions were had. And Mike D'Antoni, after the Rockets got ousted in five games by the Lakers, He's now gone. He chose not to come back. And so now that's going to be an interesting option for the for a lot of coaches. And like, Who wants to go to Houston? What about D'Antoni? Because there's a lot of openings out there. You got Oklahoma City, Indiana. You got New Orleans, which that's been brought up. And that's honestly kind of scary with that young team and uh, him using him. All those young, talented guys like Lonzo, Ingram, Zion. That, that That's actually kind of scary. But uh, uh, in uh, Philly, and so there's a lot of teams out there, a lot of pretty decent teams that are that have job openings, and so I think he'll definitely get a job there. I I think New Orleans, New Orleans would be the optimal spot for him to go to. If I'm being honest, to play his style, I think Lonzo would actually fit pretty well with what he wants to do with that offense. Ingram have a nice wing threat. Zion is would be the X factor in that offense. And so I think that's probably a likely spot. I heard Tyron Lue's name mentioned with Houston, so we'll wait to see what happens there. So I know you, let, let's get let's get into the games because there's a whole bunch here to talk about. No, let's start with the games last night. Let's talk about with the first game that we had with the Celtics and Heat in a thriller. And game one going to overtime with big plays being made left and right by various players, by various young, talented players, especially one Bam at a bio. Hopefully, I got that right. With an unbelievable block on Jason Tatum, a legendary block that's going to go down for the ages. And Tatum cocked that thing back, and Bam was like, nope, this can be a tumbo finger wave. Nope, not today. And so. The Heat take a game one in thrilling fashion. This series is going to be a lot of fun, everybody. Buckle up. This is going to this is going to be a fun ride. This, this game is, is going to go 6-7. Like, there's no way this series goes 4-5. Not at all. Not a chance. Either way. This, this, this is going to go full length. So, 
Be be excited. Be prepared. Buckle up, everybody. We're in for a fun one. And then we had the Game 7 last night in the Western Conference semifinal between the Nuggets and Clippers. And boy, oh boy, NBA Twitter was so amazing last night, everybody. Whew. There's nothing like NBA Twitter when you have a night like last night, everybody. When you have a title favorite like the Clippers losing a 3-1 to lead to the Nuggets who do it again in consecutive series coming off a big performance by Jokic, the Joker, maybe the best passing big man in all the basketball, and Jamal Murray, who he didn't really, he wasn't really as hot for much of this series, but he returned back to his form in, from the Utah series in this game with uh, 40 uh, with forty points. So good stuff from them. And uh, as I mentioned, NBA Twitter was aflame last night with everything going on with don't ever talk about the Clippers again. You know, don't talk about quite being in the same conversation as LeBron again. Talking about pandemic P, George Paul. Uh, talking talking about, uh, you know, all the bricks th- he was throwing up, throwing them off the side of the backboard. That Thunder Clippers trade everybody's bringing back up from last summer. Uh, just all that stuff. And him making comments you know, earlier in the summer about, you know, we're, we're expected to win a championship. And him saying last night, you know, internally, this wasn't a championship year or a championship or bus year for them. Completely contradictory. And then, of course, he had all the stuff going on with CJ and Dame last night. That was just fun. Dame had, uh, CJ had a really brutal tweet talking about how the Clippers were one of the teams that were wanting to leave when, uh, yeah, when the league stopped for a few days. And like CJ mentioned, like, I mean, I knew they were one of the teams I didn't want to play. Like, I just didn't think they were going to go out like this. And that was just completely brutal. Whew. But uh, NBA Twitter was so much fun last night, as, as well as these couple of games. And now we got the Western Conference final set between the Nuggets and the Lakers coming on, I believe, on tomorrow night, on Thursday night. Same thing with uh, Thursday night football. You got game two in Miami and Boston. So big matchups for the the Nuggets to try to emphasize here is, you know, get good performances out of Joker and Jamal Murray. Yeah, you got to. Otherwise, you're not going to have a chance against the Lakers. Just flat out be honest. And with the Lakers, extra right here, exploit the paint. The Nuggets don't really have really any interior defenders to contest anything in the paint. And so LeBron and AD take advantage of that. And I think Rondo's going to be an X factor here because I talked about this last week. His intelligence of the game, of what he brings to the table on both sides, uh, is just really, really good and awesome what the Lakers needed. And the Lakers are on a bit, on a bit of a hot streak. But I'm not counting out the Nuggets. I do think the Lakers are going to win this series and move on to the finals. But I, I think the Nuggets will give them a little bit of a tougher test than maybe what some people were thinking the day after, but I still think the Lakers will win. And it just dawned on me a few days ago, crap, we could get a Lakers-Celtics finals in the bubble. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen. Miami looks really good. I like what Miami's done. But who knows? Miami's looked really good. They had a good, strong start last night in game one. And with the Lakers and Nuggets... We'll see how that goes. I expect the Lakers to win, but don't count the Nuggets. You know, Jamal Murray said, put some respect on their names last night. So I, I am. You know, coming back 
from 3-1 deficits in two straight series. That is stuff you got to give them their props for doing that. I saw somebody mention, like, you know, the Clippers are title favorites. Like, this is even worse than what happened in 2016. Eh, no, that was in the the finals. That was in the freaking NBA finals. Championship was on the line. There's not a championship on the line in the second second round series. Not at all. So, but uh, give the props to Denver here for doing what they did. So, hopefully we'll get at least a fun series of it and I, I expect this series will go five games and may, maybe six, but, uh, I'm not counting on the Nuggets. I, I definitely have some respect for them, what they've done, uh, with Joker, Jamal Murray bursting off the scene here in these playoffs, you know, good stuff from them. So that's where we're going to leave it off with the NBA and that's where we're going to leave off sports. Let's talk some entertainment, everybody. So couple big things here, especially with the MCU. The Black uh, Black Widow may be delayed again. And also, WandaVision still may be coming. There's a Disney Plus trailer that dropped just today, which it seemed like it was a trailer for all the stuff coming out the rest of this year. And WandaVision was a part of that trailer, so maybe they're, they're a lot farther on on production than you know I thought. And we're going to get WandaVision this year. Of course, that remains to be shown. I mean, they were planning on showing the Falcon and the Winter Soldier first. Uh, maybe there's a Black Widow tie-in with that one. So, who knows? If Black Widow does get delayed, this point was brought up. And I, I actually am excited about this possibility if it happens. That there's another delay. You may have all these MCU products, you know, in close proximity of each other in a year where we haven't had anything MCU in over a year. I think that could be a fun. We can get our MCU binge within like a few months where we can have Black Widow. We can have a show. Then we have another movie, then another show. So like it, it will be exciting time if you're the MCU and to see what they have going forward. And speaking of going, what's going forward with the MCU, Big casting news coming out of Ant-Man 3 with Jonathan Majors being cast as a lead addition to the Ant-Man 3 movie. I don't know as far as production. I think they're talking about 2021 with a 2022 release date in mind. So if nothing moves or nothing changes, it'll probably come out with Captain Marvel 2, uh, uh, Multiverse of Madness. So. The big news here is Jonathan Majors, who's been on a tear recently. He's starring in HBO's Lovecraft Country. He's also recently in Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. And Last Black Man in San Francisco from last year, which, uh, from what I've read, was really, really good. And that Lovecraft Lovecraft Country is really good as well, even though it's only a few episodes in. But, like, he's really good in it, from what I've heard people mention about it. But... Obviously, big news is him being cast as a lead role in Ant-Man 3. And so people were like, what's going to be this lead role? Well, Deadline mentioned the source is close to the project saying he's playing the time traveler, the time traveling villain, I should say, Kang the Conqueror. And that's that's really big news concerning where the MCU has gone with time travel as of late, especially with Endgame, with potential realities being messed with. 
And of course, this does make sense with him being introduced in Ant-Man. I actually don't know how none of us thought about this in the first place. With the movies that introduced the concept of potential time travel within the quantum realm, introduced that aspect of it, introduced more of that in Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then you have it really introduced with in and come and come full fold in Endgame with a time heist that was suggested by Ant Man himself. So it it makes sense that you would introduce a character like Kang. If what they're saying is true, if he, if he's definitely playing Kang, then that would definitely make sense. And Kang, from what I know, 40th century he comes from the 40th century, but he's had several different identities. Iron Lad, Ramatut from the ancient Egypt days. I, I was watching a bit video on YouTube talking about like it, there could be like a hint towards like ancient Egypt with apocalypse and X-Men and you guys know all about that stuff, but there's a lot of potential there. There's also some fantastic four tie-ins, you know, Daniel Richards, a descendant of Reed Richards. So is there a fantastic four tie-in there? So there's all types of things that they can do. And obviously the big thing that people are wondering is, is this guy going to be the next big bad of the MCU? And you know what? I don't, I actually don't think so. I actually don't think so. I think he's going to be more of a Loki type of guy where you'll see him pop up in various different stuff. And one of the comments I was made in the deadline article was that his role may change in future appearances and may not always be, the villain. Well, Loki wasn't necessarily the villain of, of Ragnarok. Now, he was up to his mischievous ways. Don't get me wrong. But he wasn't the villain of Ragnarok. So, I definitely could see where he could bring a Loki type of aspect. Where he's just jumping around everywhere. I don't think he's going to be one time. I don't think... Even though the MCU has adapted storylines and characters very differently than what they've been in the comics... I just don't think Kang is going to be a one-time thing. I think it's going to be a Loki type of thing. But I do think there could be a big bad and you know tied up with him later on down the road. Now, we'll still know what that could be, whether it's like a Doctor Doom or something, or you know who knows what else. But I definitely could see something like a Loki type of role for him coming in the MCU down the road. And, you know, it's going to be interesting, you know, seeing him coming there. I know there's MODOK rumors. There's, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was really wanting to have MODOK on. You know, that was thrown out. I was like, no, 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 we have MODOK idea for something. MODOK, he's he's in the new Avengers game. So, MODOK is definitely on the mind there, I, I think. So, maybe that's uh, somebody they have in mind there with him. Maybe in this movie, maybe down the road. Who knows? We'll see. But he's really going to be it. He's going to be a really fun villain because, of course, you got the time travel aspect of it that's been brought up recently. And with Kang, he's going to be a villain, a character that's going to, you know, mess with the timeline, mess with reality, maybe mess with multiple realities. And so that can definitely be a fun aspect to play with with in this Ant-Man movie. Maybe introduce Young Avengers. I know he's been connected to them. So, I mean, who knows what we'll see, but you know, it, it all, it, it's kind of made sense. I, I thought about, you know, a couple of lines that have been mentioned in the, the MCU 
And one was from Mordo in the first Doctor Strange movie when he talks about the bill always comes due, meaning that there will always be consequences of messing with the laws of nature like time. And so Kang could be one of those consequences. And I remember Tony mentioned in Endgame, you mess with time, it tends to mess back. Well, Kang could definitely be a character where that could be alluded to. I'm probably not specifically there, but just something you look back and like, that definitely could apply to a character like Kang. And like, you mess with time, it, it'll mess back in different, in multiple ways. It could be characters, multiple characters from the future. And Kang is one of those possibilities. So exciting news for Ant-Man 3. I'm hyped up about Ant-Man 3 and what they have up with Kang the Conqueror and see how he's going to be used down the road and see what type of role he's going to have as a villain potentially and see if how Feige and company are going to use him. And the final thing to get to here on the pod is everything that we've, something that we've waited for for a while. That is the Mandalorian Season 2 trailer. It kind of sets up what really the story uh, is going to be of the Season 2 of Mando, Daddy, um, Mando the Dad, all that good stuff. Going to be trying to find Yoda's, uh, trying to get Yoda, uh, little baby Yoda back to his people, whether that's to his species, to his homeworld, or whether it's to, uh, with the help of some Jedi, or whether it's to the Jedi. And of course, if you know from Star Wars lore, the Mandalorians and Jedi do not mix well together. So that's that can be fun. There were some fireworks. You saw Sasha Banks in there. Uh, if you know her from wrestling, I know Matt and Peter do. They're big wrestling fans. And so they're. So if they see uh, her in the trailer, I know they're hyped up about that. A lot of talks she could be playing Sabine from Rebels. And so that could be a tie-in for Ahsoka, who they're going to plan on having in the season played by Rosario Dawson. Whether it's for an episode or two, who knows. But that could be a tie-in after what you saw with the end of Rebels. So... I'm really excited about this season. This season looks to be really exciting. And you already had a Baby Yoda moment there at the end in the Gamorian, with Gamorian wrestling or whatever it is going on there where he just closes up his pile like, screw this crap. I've seen how this goes down. And, and Mandel just goes and wrecks everybody. But I'm really excited about this upcoming season and Mando's season two, everybody. I'm hyped up for it. It's, com- it's coming here shortly. October 30th is going to be here. Before you know, we're going to have some new content to discuss on the pods. So, guys, that's where we're going to leave it off this week. Hope you guys enjoyed this pod. Again, be on the lookout for another entertainment pod. Probably coming out next week where it's fun idea that Pierre Lewis brought uh, to both me and Matt. So, we're planning on taping that. Saturday night, probably having that coming out on Monday or Tuesday. So be on the lookout for that on the entertainment feed on where you guys get your podcasts, whether it's SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, or Anchor. And thanks to Anchor, speaking of, for sponsoring this episode as they do all episodes on both podcasts. So with that being said, everybody, hope you guys are staying safe, uh, staying safe, staying healthy. Take care, everybody. We got football back officially. Football is back in full swing. I hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll talk to you next time.